Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. This meeting of the Movie Council is now in session. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Movie Council podcast. And don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, daddy's home. We are back this week. Your boy is back in the driver's seat. My name is Dan Cherry. I will be hosting. And once again, I am joined by my boys, the COO of the Movie Council, Mr. Andrew Sherry. Good evening. And of course, the art director and security director, Mr. Marky Bondurant. That's me. Hello. And daddy's home. Woo! I, I took a week off last week, had some stuff going on, but uh, but I'm here again and uh, I'm ready to to shoot the shit. We got some some movie news, uh, a movie review, and, uh, you know, just some shit to talk. So let's get to the shit talking, gentlemen. How the hell is everyone doing? AJ, what's going on? How was your how was your week, man? How was last week without me? You guys you guys didn't die without me here? No, um I'm trying to remember what we did last week. <laughs> Colin Farrell. <laughs> it's been a long oh, yeah, time. Yeah. Me and you double teamed Colin Farrell. You don't remember that? <laughs> yeah, you figure that's something you would remember. Yeah. It was, it was my first night of uh um, several nights in a row that I've been on vacation. So, oh, that's right. I'm on vacation. Sorry. So no, I've been good. I've been on vacation this week. Just you know, getting stuff done around the house and not working. That sounds nice. That's always a good time. How about you, Marky? How how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Everything's uh going smoothly. Nothing out of the ordinary to speak of uh pretty run-of-the-mill week everyone's doing fine in my house it's good nothing to good hear. to complain about or report on very nice uh gotta say pretty much the same on my end yeah nice average week uh nothing too exciting it is we had a couple days here uh in new england where it felt like spring uh, uh, and then the very next day, it was like 30 degrees again. So, you know. Spring of deception, yes. Yeah. It's it's a roll of the dice up here. But it is getting nicer. And, uh, you know, I've been getting out a little more. So, uh, not, not a bad week. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I did get to watch uh, last night. I don't know if you guys heard or saw this. But, uh. What's her name? Diane Sawyer from ABC News uh, interviewed Jeremy Renner for the first time since his accident. So I got to watch that last night. Uh, I got got to say, uh, as far as like what happened with the accident, um, it was pretty much kind of what we heard before. So he was on the snowcat. The only new information uh, was his nephew was there. He has like an mm. 18, 19 year old nephew that was helping him out. And when he was in the snowcat, he kind of lost sight of his nephew. 
And that's why he kind of stepped out to look to see where he was. But he accidentally didn't put the brake on. And so when he stepped to try and find his nephew is when he he fell out and got crushed by the thing. Eesh. But the interesting shit was uh, when they were go for, going over his injuries. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Some stuff. <laughs> I learned some stuff last night. Like he had like over 30 broken bones. God. Uh, like the right side of his rib cage. Every single rib was broken. Fuck. Yeah, it was fucking insane. Um, like both legs broke. One of them, you know, the tibia and fibula uh, oh, were fractured, Christ. and the bones in his feet were fractured. And uh, but uh, the bad thing is, the other leg was worse. Even though it was just the fibula, it was uh, a spiral fracture. Yeesh. Which, uh, for the listeners who don't know. Like, if you take, like, a stick, right, and you just snap it in half, it kind of breaks clean into two pieces. But if you take that stick and bend it until it breaks in two, it just splinters into multiple pieces, and it's just a fucking mess. And that's what happened to his leg. Um, Ouch. And here's the craziest part. Uh, This fucking head gave me the willies. Um, So... His head got kind of crushed too, to the point where one of his eyes was like bulging out. And he said it was to the point where he could actually see his own eye. Fucking hell. Right. Can you imagine having one eye looking at the other fucking eye? Because the other one was popped out enough that he could th- see it out the of the f- corner of his eye. He could fuck. see his other eye. <laughs> Oh my god, that fucking god gave damn. me! I, can you imagine being able to look and see your own eye? I think you at that point you know Oof. something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. You time. don't have to ask somebody how how bad is it. I think you fucking know, right? So, so did um, the, what he lost a lot of blood too, right? Mm-hmm. Did he talk on that? What was it that was the bleeding from? Did he, did he say? Uh, most of it was from the back of his head. He had Jeez. like a giant gash on the back of his head that had to get stapled shut. So he so. he just got ground up and spit out. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, man. So. And I guess the nephew was still there with him and saw mm-hmm. his uncle Hawkeye all smashed to bits and had to go run to the uh, rich neighbor's house and yes, and the neighbor came the, over and helped and saved yeah. them. So luckily, it was a real doctor, not a dentist. These <laughs> rich neighbors. <laughs> so. But yeah, that was uh, interesting. He's he's a tough motherfucker, man. Yeah. How do you look, by the way? Hey, he looks pretty much just like Jeremy Renner. You know, yeah. like he's uh, the first part of the interview, at least they showed him he still needed a walker uh-huh. to get around. But like, you know, his face, everything looked fine. He was just, you know, had a hard time walking. Uh-huh. But they showed a clip that you know, I guess he had sent to ABC afterwards because, you know, obviously the interview was like two weeks ago and they got to uh-huh. edit it and all that shit. But just the other day, he was walking with just a cane. So, okay. yeah, Malavari, he's getting there. He's over 50 years old. He's just wow. a tough son of a bitch and fighting through it. And he wants to get back into fucking playing Hawkeye. So there you go. Fighting through it. And, yeah, well, that's good, good to good hear. To see. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's nasty business. Doing his renovations. Have you heard of yes. this? Yeah, I, I get it. That's why it was an ABC interview because they're owned by Disney and that's going to be on Disney Plus. Right. So but yeah, uh yeah. So like AJ mentioned, like he's got this show coming out where 
he basically takes like old buses and trucks and oh, renovates yeah. them for different purposes for different places and donates them so yeah i, I did see a brief thing on like instagram or something about that mm-hmm. so, like almost yeah. like a charity kind of gig not yeah. charity, but yeah like a pit my ride but for good causes <laughs> mm-hmm. so. as a matter of fact uh, they even mentioned in the interview one of the um uh fire trucks that showed up at his place to help him was mm-hmm. one of the ones that he donated to the fire department no shit <laughs> yeah. well, thank fuck for that that's good um, to hear i'm glad he's getting better on that yeah yeah uh Oh, did you guys uh did you guys hear about uh the actress that got stabbed, uh Reese uh with a spoon? No, with a knife. Um <laughs> Hey No, I got stabbed. I just wanted to make that I joke. know. I I had I couldn't leave you hanging. I've heard that one a hundred times. I I didn't want to let you just Thank I kind of let Mark, it fall flat. It. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> From one dad to another, I had to see uh, that I one through. It. I appreciate it. So, uh, uh, actually, you know, one more thing before we get into like, well, I mean, this is kind of movie news, anyways. But, but you never hit the the news ticker. Yeah, you know, let's, let, let's hit the news ticker and make this officially some movie news. <laughs> there we go. Now I feel yeah, like nice. I'm getting some proper information here. Yes, there we go. So, uh. Uh, one thing I'm super excited about the Blue Beetle trailer uh-huh. just dropped this week, and goddamn, it looks good. Uh, the the kid from Cobra Kai, Z- I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Zolo, Zolo Mara, not going to work here anymore. Anyways, <laughs> whatever it's fucking, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he'll be playing Blue Beetle. Uh, the trailer looks fucking amazing. The the special effects are great. I. I cannot fucking wait for blue beetle that looks so good who's directing that one do you know oh geez i didn't look that up uh i could tell you in a second okay <laughs> yeah, yeah i saw the trailer for that too it uh it looks like they spent a lot of money on that and it looks like you said the visual effects look really sharp and i'm mm-hmm. not familiar with that character at all i texted you a little bit about that and i actually did some uh internet research of my own to kind of learn some backstory on it this seems to be mm-hmm. a few uh, iterations of this character the first mm-hmm. one being pretty damn old yes written a long time ago um and the one that's in this movie from what i saw i think is like the third iteration of the mm-hmm. character yeah yeah one of the first ones was like ted cord and it was basically the same thing as tony stark or you know like billionaire guy that discovered something so and creates a super suit yeah I like this version much better. So, uh, so the director is uh, Angel Manuel Soto. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else. Let's see. He's done The Farm. Do you guys familiar with The Farm? No. Uh, neither am I. Uh, it's a, I think it's a, a Mexican movie. Yeah. Okay. He, he seems to be a Mexican director. Mostly his stuff is, uh, you know, Stuff that wasn't released around here. Gotcha. So this is kind of his big debut in American cinema. So big Should deal. Coming out it, I mean, swinging with the DC great. movie. Yeah. 
Uh, they they certainly gave him a fucking ton of money to work with. You can tell yeah. that from the trailer. So, but uh, that looks great. Uh, I, I'll give uh one more bit piece of news before I pass it off to Marky for his news. Uh, there was an announcement. I think it was yesterday for us uh, when you're hearing this a few days ago. Uh, they just announced a few more Star Wars movies that oh, will be yeah. coming out. Yes, so uh. One of them, uh, so they announced three. One is going to be uh, James Mangold will be making one that uh, will be about like, it will be set way before the, the uh, Skywalker trilogy and it'll be about kind of the original Jedi. Okay. Uh, another one is going to be Dave Filoni will be doing a movie that will kind of wrap up some storylines from The Mandalorian. Whether the Mandalorian's in the movie or not, don't know, but it'll be stuff that's set up in the series will be wrapped up in the movie. And then the other one is kind of interesting because they're bringing back Daisy Ridley as yeah. Ray. And it'll be set uh, kind of in the future where Ray is training uh, like a new generation of Jedi. So, okay. It should be interesting. I, it seemed like the Skywalker saga was over, but. They're bringing Ray yeah. back, so I guess kind of not. Well, I mean, uh, the, the Skywalker saga could still be over, right? She could. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they said that she's going to reprise her role as Ray, but that doesn't mean that. Yeah, she's not. She might just be yeah. an auxiliary character, mm -hmm. someone in the background, kind of right. in a kind of way. Um, do you know when? Um, fuck, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Our boy. That uh, directs a lot of the episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, um, the new, no, the uh, New Zealand director. Um, that you know, who I'm talking about the. Um, he was in Once Were Warriors as an actor. Um, oh, he does Mora Morrison. No, the guy the, that played the, the, the director. The the guy that's the uh, as a, as a primarily working director. Um, does the Thor the re recent Thor movies, Love and Thunder, and Taika uh, Waititi? Taika, thank you. Shit, that was Taika directed some. I I had no idea he even directed any. He's he's slated to direct a Star Wars movie. Uh huh. So as uh, I guess that you answered my question there. I was going to ask you if you knew in what place his is supposed to come out. Mm -hmm. I heard he got bumped up. Someone else got. Let go because it's. I don't think it's just three Star Wars movies. I think it's a bunch. Oh well, they announced three of them. I know that. I, so I don't maybe know these three are the, more. the first set to come out, and maybe Taika's is in the next batch. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know Taika did any of the uh, Star Wars, uh, the Mandalorian episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. He did the. Uh, I think he did the first episode. Mm -hmm. I know he, from the first season, he did the first episode and the final episode. He voiced the character of that teen, whatever nine robot, that uh, killer robot. That's Taika. Wow. Um, right. And he he's done some. He's done several uh, episodes throughout the seasons, and mm -hmm. and pivotal ones too. Um, I think you and I talked about it one time, and I don't believe you ever watched these, but there's the behind the scenes, uh, uh, kind of clips that you can watch on Disney Plus from mm -hmm. the Mandalorian. I thought they were really interesting. And it has all the different directors talking about 
just their love for Star Wars and how they got involved and stuff. And yeah, it has Taika and Bryce Dallas Howard and John Favreau. Um, Robert Rodriguez, is that? No, it was someone else. Yeah, no, I just Robert pulled Rodriguez up the list. That? Robert Rodriguez uh, did direct an episode. Okay, yeah. yeah so it was, it was did one. Taika did one. Peyton Reed did a couple. Carl Weathers did a couple. <laughs> oh, he did the most recent one. Carl Weathers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned that. That was interesting. Yeah. Well, I never knew he was into directing. I didn't either. No. So, um, but uh, so Taika also got. I I was looking at some upcoming movies, uh, like the most anticipated movies of twenty twenty three, and one of them is uh, Taika's next movie. Hmm. He's got one coming out. It's uh, it's called Next Goal Wins, and it's based on a um, like a documentary of the same name and about this uh uh what's it called a Dutch American soccer coach that uh is hired to help the American Samoa national team which is is that Michael Fassbender? The... Yes it is. Yes. Okay. Michael Fassbender will be playing the lead role and Tyke is directing. So I I'm a big fan. You got Tyka and fucking Michael Fassbender as well as uh Elizabeth Moss. So I'm fucking I'm definitely in for that one. Yeah, I forgot about that coming mm-hmm. out. I'm interested for sure. Anything that Taika does. Yeah. And a big um, fan of Michael Fassbender. Yeah. So hey, I'll give you a couple other ones real quick that I yeah. didn't know were coming out to see if Sept- you guys knew. September eighth, next goal wins. Yeah. Okay. Um also in September the Equalizer three coming uh, we out. Don't- we don't need any more of that. The yeah. uh, second that. one wasn't that good, but Antoine Fruc was directing again. So Okay. Well, I did like the first one. Antoine doesn't make some good action movies. Yeah. Uh, David Gordon Green is doing uh, The Exorcist. Oh, fucking hell, man. Right. He did a great job bringing uh, uh, Halloween. Halloween back. Yeah, yeah, they did a fantastic job bringing that back. So yeah, definitely into that. Wait, Obviously, is that is uh, that the is it the Exorcist one? Is that the one with Russell Crowe? Uh let's see. Uh Leslie Odom Jr. is in it and Ellen Burstyn is back. Okay. So my uh, brother just texted me saying that there's an Exorcist movie with Russell Crowe coming out. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Uh obviously Dune Part Two will be coming out this year. Uh, another one that I'm excited about. A, again, another Michael Fassbender vehicle. But this time, uh, directed by David Fincher. It's called uh, The Killer. Uh, like I said, Fassbender's in it. Tilda Swinton is in it. And when does that, when does that come out? Uh, that will be in November on Netflix. November 10th on Netflix. Uh, the only thing we know about it, it's like a neo-noir thriller. And it's based on some like French graphic novel series so oh shit that but it's weird. fassbender <laughs> tilda swinton and david fincher so fuck yeah i'm in um another i again i wasn't i'm surprised i didn't know about this one but uh scorsese has got a like movie coming out this thing? year no uh roosevelt it's an F- a movie about fdr uh leo dicaprio's playing fdr Scorsese's oh, that is, that is, it's, yeah. it's, it's called The Flowers Bloom or something like that. Uh, the one I have here says it's called Roosevelt. So. Oh, okay. Well, shit, yeah. what did I see? 
Does yeah, that the, right. did you happen to see if it was the 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 headline that I saw said the Scorsese Leo movie? I thought it was mm-hmm. called Flowers Bloom. Has like a four runtime at the moment. Has a what runtime? Four four oh, hour. Four hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm all set with sitting there for four yeah. hours. Even for okay. Oh my god, he's got a lot of shit coming out. Yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon is the one you're talking about. And yeah, okay. Leo's in it as well. Is but, that yeah, Scorsese? Roosevelt is coming out this year. It's a biographical drama. Um, again, so I got one thing. <laughs> you check one place and it says, you know, Roosevelt about uh, the man that navigated the Great Depression and World War II, right? Which last time I checked, that's FDR. Mm-hmm. But you go on to uh, IMDb and it says it's a bio- biographical drama about Teddy Roosevelt. So interesting. Who fucking knows? But it's Scorsese, it's Leo, and it's supposed to be out in July. How there's no fucking nothing known about it, and it's only a few months away. I don't huh. quite get, but I'll be looking for it. So okay, and uh, I think that yeah. About wraps it up. I mean, I know you guys don't care, but there might be somebody out there that cares as much as I do. Most likely by the end of the year, we will be getting Legally Blonde 3. So, <laughs> fuck yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I got I'm a few on, for you. I got a few on this list. I'm assuming you're looking at this uh, Rotten Tomatoes list. Yes. There's a few that jumped out at me big time, and one mm-hmm. was. Working backwards, November twenty second, Napoleon, which is Ridley Scott's oh, doing. Yes, that looks Wa- very good too. Wa- reuniting with Joaquin Phoenix, where he, he obviously did Gladiator with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks like it could be pretty killer. Um, the other one was I was looking at was in July, Oppenheimer, the Christopher Nolan film. Yes, forgot about that too. Kill- Killian Murphy, Florence Pugh, Emily mm-hmm. Blunt, Matt. Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Rami Malek, Josh Hartnett, Benny Safdie. Like, this is a cast, baby. Yeah. Yeah, the trailer, they got more of a teaser trailer, but yeah, it uh-huh. looks fucking good. I can't yeah, that's, that's going to rule. You know, also with, and, uh, oh, sorry, AJ, but the way that uh, Christopher Rowland rolls, you know, like every, he's one of those directors where whenever he makes a movie, something new has to come out, right? Like a new technology, or he creates a mm-hmm. new technology. Right. Um, for the Oppenheimer movie, they something about they didn't create a real nuclear explosion, but there was something that they did that was akin to that, where they like f- filmed some sort of explosion with the microsecond cameras that were used in the in, in the initial explosions. I, you you kind of see that a little bit in the trailer, that teaser mm-hmm. trailer. That's a real explosion that they created and filmed. So I think it looks really neat. And then a couple more. I'm I'm working backwards here. Um, The new uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Nice. June 2nd. Um, The first one was spectacular. Yeah, very fun. Into the Spider-Verse. That was so good. Um, Oscar Isaac is joining the voice cast in this array this time around so should be really cool and then marky and i talked a little bit about it or touched on it last week much more recently much more recent uh, uh much sooner coming out april 21st bo is afraid 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the new Ari Aster film with, again, Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Um, so, yeah, that one looks wild. I don't yeah, know man. what to make of that thing, but I am here Ari for Aster, Yeah, and Ari Aster uh, from Midsummer has shown that he can make some very weird, fucked up films. Yeah, I'm here for it. Hereditary was scary, fucked up. Midsummer was weird, fucked up. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that one for sure. But I saw the Roosevelt thing too, and that piqued my interest. And yeah, definitely Legally Blonde three. So. Fuck yeah, <laughs> baby! <laughs> you guys, and let me know. Uh, one other one, which I didn't even know uh, existed. So, like, if you remember the movie The Color Purple. Apparently they turned that into a like a Broadway musical. Okay. And now the Broadway musical version is going to be a film version that'll be coming out this year. With okay. like a bunch of people that you know, like uh her, you know, the musician H E R, you know, mm-hmm. her. Uh Fantasia Barino is gonna be in it and you know, a bunch of people that usually don't ask. Wasn't she wasn't she an American Idol winner, Fantasia? Yes, she was, yeah. Oh. Hey, so call back. The theatrical version is just different enough. Of the I guess, yeah. Like I said, I didn't even know there was a musical version of it, but or apparently it won a what's it called musical a, version. Yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I understand okay. what you're saying. That <laughs> I was thinking like a, a uh, just a straight up stage version of hmm. the movie. I'm like, so they went from movie to stage, now stage to movie. Yeah. But okay. But no, if it's a musical, I, I kind of get it. So, mm-hmm. so. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff though this year. So, yes, yeah. yes, a very exciting year for movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely some big like heavy hitters in the right on the directing side of things. It's like people. It's now is one of the first full years where productions have are coming fully out of a, a COVID clamp, and mm-hmm. big time. Yeah. Big cast, big productions, big directors are swinging yeah, the like they used Scor- to. Scorsese's back, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And just this weekend, uh, Ben Affleck's back with that movie Air. Air, yes, Air, Jordan, Air Jordans. Is, yeah, yeah, getting really good reviews. A lot of yeah, people. Yeah, I'm interested. It. Yeah, definitely check it out. And yeah. I heard a fun, uh, interesting nugget about that today was uh, when. Uh, Ben Affleck talked to Michael Jordan about it. Michael Jordan only had one request, and that was to get Viola Davis to play his mom. It's the only thing he wanted, and so like Affleck had to make it happen, and he lucked out. He did, yeah. He, she said yes. So, but yeah, that was the only thing he wanted, and so they made it happen. And and they said that I didn't know Viola Davis is an EGOT winner. Did you guys know that? I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not at all. I just didn't know if she actually got it done. But yeah, she's uh, an EGOT. Nice. Yeah, she's a powerhouse, man. Yeah, she's a hell of an actress. All right, that's uh, that's everything I've got. Mark, you got any uh, movie news for us? Yeah, a piece of light news and a piece of heavy news. Uh, first, right, you real... know what? Hold on. Uh-huh. Let's, just, let's just reset you up for your news. Oh, thank you. Yes, please. All right, now you're ready. Welcome to the Movie Council Podcast News. My name is Marky Bondurant, and Shazam is getting a streaming release within Hey-o. one month of its theatrical release. Um, 
I didn't see what the actual day was. I just saw the headline that said Shazam, Shazam is getting a streaming release. And yeah, <sighs> not not even a full month in theaters. It's yeah. coming straight to the streamers. Woof, woof, woof. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Yeah, I'm sure Zachary Levi is going to have a few tweets about that, but we'll see. <laughs> um, the heavy piece of news, um, if you recall, there was an incident on the set for a movie called Rust where Alec Baldwin shot the assistant director accidentally with a prop gun that had a live bullet. Accidentally. Uh, accidentally. Yeah, it was um, quotes on that. <laughs> Yeah. Why are there real bullets anywhere near the set? That's a huge hanger on the story. Live rounds are never supposed to be on set. That was put in place, if I'm not mistaken, after the Brandon Lee accidental death. Absolutely. Um, there's after that some very strict rules around firearms and movie sets put in place to avoid situations like that happening again. Um, but the news for this subject is that the first assistant director i'm sorry i can't remember if uh the the woman that was killed i thought she was assistant director in any case there's this person named dave halls who was a set manager i thought he was also first assistant director he has entered a plea deal he's the first person in this production that has gone through with something in this trial um alec baldwin has entered a not guilty and this guy dave halls apparently is feeling some sort of like survivor's guilt i think is actually what he was quoted as saying um he he did handle the weapon that that day i believe and he feels somewhat responsible so he entered a, a plea deal because he is guilt-ridden from what it sounds so but he probably he obviously had charges brought up on him, right? Uh yes, yes. And uh I think he, right now he hasn't been sentenced yet, but it looks like it's just gonna be probation and fine and uh um well that's about it. Probation and a fine. There's this other person, Hannah Gutierrez Reed. She is the armorer and weapons expert who is responsible for firearm training and safety. She hasn't had the charges brought up against her yet, but her lawyer, her attorney, has said publicly that she is not – I'm sorry. She is going to plead not guilty. So in my mind, the person that a lot of this responsibility hangs on is already announced that they're going to plead not guilty. The armorer, the person that is in charge of handling the weapons and teaching people the safety of these weapons mm. – is, you know who uh, should be responsible is whoever hired a woman to do that. <laughs> Zing, DP. Eric Baldwin. <laughs> but yeah, there should never, never have been a live round on set. Um, I thought you were going to say there never should have been a woman doing that. <laughs> never. <laughs> ever. Put a gun in a woman's hand. Also, the, the, the weapon... They're, emo- they're emotional. Uh, right. <laughs> the, the the actual weapon was capable of firing that's a, it's a it was a real gun that had a, a live bullet in it i can't like why why are we playing with real guns anyways that could yeah. functionally operate as a a, a real 
it's a lot, it just seems stupid up and down. What's the point? Right. Of that in the first place, like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. So uh, that's, that's. Yeah, Alec Baldwin's entered a uh, not guilty. That was a while ago. So his trial hasn't come up yet. Uh, Dave Hall's that set manager plea deal and weapons expert armorer Hannah Gutierrez Reed plans to enter not guilty. So, but even the guy that ran through the plea deal is just getting a, a fine and probation. Whenever you enter a plea deal, it's typically a, a lesser sentence sentencing that you get, but. I would imagine even if somebody is found guilty of this thing, it's not going to be much more than a fine. Uh, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that someone died and it's going to be a slap on the wrist for whatever idiot brought the live bullets into a movie set. But Dude, I watched a movie where like it really looked like Spider-Man was swinging through the streets of New York City. You mean to tell me you can't get a fake gun to look real? Mm-hmm. Like you really need to bring a real one in there. It makes no sense. It's just, right. it's especially now with the special effects they have. Yeah. Having a real gun with right, a real can... working firing pin makes no sense. Whatsoever. Yeah, you can bring in a CGI thing. They don't even have to be holding anything. Right? Yeah. You can just so... have fucking, they could be holding Andy Circus and he can just yeah. pretend he's a fucking gun and he yeah. will fucking nail it. Yeah. Andy Circus cr- nails it every time. I'll crush it. <laughs> with a also, green screen and everything. You know, it. Different firearms. <laughs> firearms the, operate with the green suit on. <laughs> all you have to do is pull out the 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 actual striking pin or the hammer, and oh my god, just don't even put a, anything close to resembling a real gun in that person. Or the bullet. If so, uh, it, I'm imagining it was a six shooter, right? Because it's an old Westy movie. If you're looking down the barrel. And you see the cylinder. You can see the rounds that haven't been fired yet in the cylinder, or the empty, the empty cylinders. You don't have to have a a real firing cap, a primer on the round itself. So you can it can still look like a bullet that's in the cylinder. The barrel can still be a big bore, forty five long Colt, whatever the fuck you want to use. But yeah, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> you don't have to have gunpowder and a fucking firing yeah. pin in that gun. Yeah, we're on your side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're with you, Marky. <laughs> we're hearing you said. Andy Circus. He can use like his fingers to look like bullets. Dude fucking is magical. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying I think my solution is a little more simple and cheaper than hiring Andy Circus to be he'll a make gun. That, he'll make that gun is precious, all right? <laughs> You guys do what you want to do. You're going to get a call from the producers and be like, "Uh, I see here that there's a uh, $10 million budget for firearms. What exactly are we doing here? We got Andy Circus. Yeah. Yeah. They're like fucking worth every penny, baby. Bring them in. Pay pay the man. Oh my goodness, that was a good segment, Marky. Thanks for the news. <laughs> that was supposed to be the depressing. Yeah. Part of the news. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't the light. <laughs> oh. Oh, I thought nice. Shazam getting a fucking streaming release was depressing. What a bummer. Yeah. 
That yeah, is first... pretty depressing. So. <laughs> yeah, since the first movie was killer. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that was good. That was good, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You're welcome, I suppose. I should probably be thanking Dan for the circus reference. <laughs> I should bring Andy Circus into it. It's all positive. It's all positive. Yeah. yeah. No one gets hurt. On. Everyone has a good time. Right. Oh, anyways. All right, gentlemen. Uh, any more news? I think that about wraps up. Oh, Guess want to talk about a movie now? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get into the light stuff of the night. Uh, the apocalypse. All right. There we go. <laughs> this is full spoilers, by the way, everyone. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can't tell from the title of the episode, we're talking about the movie Knock at the Cabin, uh, directed by uh, M. Night Shyamalan, sta- stars uh, Dave Bautista. And uh, a bunch of people you don't know, Jonathan Groff is the only <laughs> other one I know, right? And I only know him because of Hamilton, he played King George in Hamilton. <laughs> really, fucking ru- oh, he was one of the highlights. Of- he was in Mind Hunters, that was a great show. Oh, sorry, yeah. Rupert Grint, Ronald Weasley. Oh, that's Harry right, Potter. yeah, he was in it. Oh, which by the way, uh, did you hear where he said he was from? Medford, Medford Mass. He said, it with, he said it with a British accent, though. <laughs> yeah, no, he- like his accent didn't hold up really well. Anyway, he, he doesn't yeah, know I how think, to properly pronounce that, it because he said like Medford. Yeah, yeah, he it said it very should be British. pronounced Mepha. Ah, from Mepha Mass. So, but uh, yeah, so Rupert Grant, Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, and then other people we don't know. But it's a it's a story about this family that is uh, vacationing at this cabin in the middle of the woods uh, by a lake and they're visited by four strangers who tell them that they need to uh, sacrifice one of them. One of the family members has to be killed in order to save the world from the apocalypse. Uh, Naturally, they think the Four strangers are full of shit and don't believe them right away. And the movie kind of unfolds from there. Blah, blah, blah. Um, AJ, why don't you kick us off and tell us, give, give us your thoughts oh, on the movie. God. Take us through the parts you liked, the parts you disliked. Or uh, only parts you disliked if you didn't like any of it. Or only parts you liked if you liked all of it. or I, I mean, you get the fucking point. Why am I still rambling? Tell us your thoughts on Knock at the Cabin. All right, so M. Night Shyamalan, for better or for worse. Wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the things he does well, he does well again in this movie, which is like sort of like building tension, um, like putting the camera in a place where you can't like, where you're supposed to see stuff in the back. Like he plays like camera tricks. And he, like the things he does well, he does well and he leans on for this movie and the things that he doesn't do well, like getting his people to act well and (laughs) act well in the film. Like he doesn't like, if you've seen old, you're like, wow, do these people ever take an acting lesson? Like if you've seen old, this film before this, the similar thing, like he, what he does well, he does well, but he's like sort of relies on the same sort of like cheap tricks and stuff. Like that's just what he does. Like he, 
the ever since the sixth sense which by the way he had two oscar nominations for that and you know the guy's never sniffed an oscar since i don't think Mm -mm. that nomination like he's just relied on the same tricks but so what he does well is and he's always relying on this because spoilers everybody he relies on this like major reveal or or thing he's hiding from you Mm -hmm. or you know maybe it's in plain sight maybe it's not he's hiding something from you the whole film um sixth sense the, the the guy that's Bruce Willis's character's dead. Like, yeah, I see dead people. Whatever. Whoa, spoiler shit. Right. <laughs> um, and this, he's hiding the fact that, or trying to, that these four people are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is a real thing. So it's at times brutal, although he hides some of that by pulling the camera away from the actual violence that you don't get to see. And um, I don't know. I'm torn about this movie because it kept me engaged. Mm -hmm. At times I was watching it like, okay, this is tense. The score is good. So sometimes he does well with the sound design and the score. And sometimes like, I don't know. He's like clumsy with it, but it's it's like hard for me to, it's hard for me to enjoy his films because I find myself like nitpicking things as I'm going along because I'm waiting for certain stuff. I'm like, it's my Shyamalan film. So here I am. I'm waiting for this like thing to happen where this grand reveal is going to happen. The the secret that's going on. Once you figure it out, the movie just becomes, now you're just picking apart the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Dave Bautista is pretty good. Um, when he approaches, you know, it, it starts off sort of like innocently enough. But if you've seen the trailers, which, like, by the way, if you haven't seen the trailers, where the fuck have you been? Right? They played them everywhere. Um, so, if you've seen the trailer, which you probably have, then you know basically the whole premise of, of this concept. And, and it's sort of like a not home invasion, but sort of situation but the little daughter is sitting outside the cabin one day and Dave Batista kind of like comes walking out of nowhere um he starts talking to her he's like a big lovable you know teddy bear guy with a bunch of tattoos <laughs> but he seems like the, a nice guy mm. and he's a stranger soft spoken yeah soft spoken and he doesn't really he doesn't sound menacing he doesn't sound threatening he befriends the girl in a way, the little girl in a way. By the way, she's adorable. This little girl who the couple have adopted. This uh, the, these two guys have um, these two fathers have adopted this this girl. Um, when is her name? And he's, she's catching like uh, um, grasshoppers, and he helps her. He captures whatever, he, whatever. He tells her like you know we we. My friends are coming, or my associates are coming, and we're going to have to get in there, whatever. So, I don't know, but the the tension builds in such a way that's that's kind of effective. But then they start showing you the stuff on the TV, and I was conflicted about whether that was a smart choice. Like that's what I find myself doing in my Shyamalan films. Like, was that a smart thing to do? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, there are parts of it I liked, parts of it I didn't like overall. 
it fell flat a bit for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I'm with you. There was a lot of it that, like, I I kind of liked. I I like that whole feeling of, um, like you're not sure if they're telling the truth or not because they do seem very very genuine, and right. they like they come across like, look, we're telling you the goddamn truth here, yet. At the same time, you know, uh, what's his name? Andrew was saying like, yes. oh, no, I know this guy. He fucking, he's the guy that attacked me in a bar for being gay. And so then that started like, oh, maybe these guys are full of shit. And so you, you got that whole movie of back and forth, whether you should believe them or not. And, you know, he does explain away the TV stuff because I'm, I'm with you, AJ. I didn't think they should show it. They should should have mm. kind of left it more of a mystery was yeah. the world really falling apart? But but they did kind of do a good job of like, oh no, they're setting that up and it's full of shit. So I liked that. But I also felt like, it, you know, they instead of showing that stuff on the TV, they could have answered a few more questions because I was left wondering, like, why this family? How did they know to go to this cabin? And like, the you know, like they, yeah, they, they didn't tell us much about the visions how they ended up there, any of that, I think that would have been uh, a little more interesting to hear about. I think that could have built the tension a little more if you had a little more backstory about how they got there. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think Shyamalan doesn't do enough, like, he doesn't think about that stuff. Yeah. He focuses attention on other things, and he expects that, whatever he's focusing on, to you know, sort of like drive the mm-hmm. story and drive the tension, you know, I don't know. And, and so then I agree with you a hundred percent, like explain to me a little bit more of that. Don't put that stuff on the TV and like make, it would have made it more tense and it would made it would have made the, the moment to moment drama more intense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Marky? I like the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, I, th- I thought it was pretty tight. You know, the, the premise was simple. It was an hour and 40 runtime. Mm-hmm. It, it was a small setting, um, small cast. And the, the premise itself was, was, uh, was a, a story. There wasn't much to it. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was pretty neat the entire time. And I was just writing down a note. I was wondering, because I was AJ, you mentioned something about how it kept you entertained and your attention on it, and I felt the same way. I was very attentive the whole time, but looking back on it, I wonder if I was paying more closely attention to it because it was an M Night Shyamalan movie, and maybe I was trying to find the twist or the reveal. So I was that's what he does to you, right? Like that's that's his whole thing. Like he has that one little twist, you're waiting for it, and right. you're left like sort of like trying to figure out what it is. But for mm-hmm. me in this movie, there wasn't really anything to figure out. He it was a pretty straightforward subject, and he didn't even leave a lot up for interpretation. Like the four horsemen mm-hmm. of the apocalypse, one of the characters comes out and explains that plot detail for you at near the end. Yeah, yeah, um, they they explained that, but I felt like that was sort of the 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 reveal the reveal in mm-hmm. a way. I also didn't like, by the way, I'll let you finish, Marky. So I didn't like the flashbacks until the flashback with the the Rupert Grint, like mm-hmm. his character 
like smashing a bottle over his head or whatever. I didn't think the flashbacks like did anything for like they didn't make me like the 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 couple more. They didn't make me yeah. really relate to them nor more sympathize with them more. It didn't do anything for me. I agree. It didn't add to the story either, besides the right. Rent story, because then you got to see maybe that was Redman, maybe it wasn't. Like even in that flashback, you only saw yeah. the side of his face. Mm-hmm. And couldn't and tell. Also for me though, I the whole movie I believed the the four intruders. I didn't have that back and forth internally on maybe they're full of shit. Maybe mm-hmm. like the whole time I thought they were telling the truth. Um, possibly because of things I'd seen in the trailer. So yep. I knew how it was gonna go. There wasn't that I I, I agree with you guys. I think it would have been even more intense, more of a thriller if he was M. Knight was able to give that back and forth a stronger sense. And I think by not showing stuff on the TV, he could have done that. Absolutely. And But if the stuff wasn't on the TV, maybe it would have been more boring. Maybe they found I don't know. Um, it, but it, it certainly would have been more tense because like they, they would have killed Redman. And then they would have said, you've unleashed an apocalypse. And the people that are tied to the chair would just have to take their word for it. Like there's an apocalypse that's been released. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been cool though, because they could have just kept going with that until the very end when they went outside and Leonard, Dave Batista's character cuts his own throat and the sky turns gray and the lightning starts. Right. That, that scene was planes. affecting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You see planes you see falling the plane out of the sky. Fall out of the sky. Yeah. See that. If they that could have scene... skipped all the TV stuff and just had that happen. Yeah. And then that would have created like this real fucking sense of drama in the moment. Like, I think oh so. my God, they are telling the truth. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I think that scene was affecting, but it would have been more affecting if, like you guys said, no TV, no like sense of who was telling the truth. And then that's the reveal in a way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's that's when it, it sort of dawns on everyone like completely where, you know, and the, the tension would have been more... Um, sort of forceful throughout uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then you get to the point where like they can't do anything but believe <laughs> you know what i mean right it's right in front of them it's staring mm-hmm. right at them versus you know the arguments that they're having and even with um i forget the 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 two dad characters one's andrew one's eric i forget which mm-hmm. one's which but uh there's one that is kind of buying the intruder story eric Eric, yeah. okay, and then the other one that's like hardcore does not believe it. The one that does, mm-hmm. hard, the one that hardcore doesn't believe it. Andrew, whenever they're showing the apocalypse, things happen on TV. He's got a reason for why it's happening. Yep, right. he's like this is pre-recorded. They knew that's why they kept looking at their watches. So in that sense, like I guess that's what M Night was trying to show, like to get your as the viewer back on his side that this might be just some nutcases that yep. are doing this. Yeah, and for he, sure. He mentions, he mentions the. Uh, the flu, whatever that virus is. He's like, I've been studying these cases for months. You know, I've been following these cases. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't anything new. So he did, M. Night did try to uh, have the viewer back on Andrew's side by him saying these things. But for me, it didn't work. For me, I just, I bought into the story that this was really an apocalypse yeah. unfolding. Right. 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 Yeah, because at the it, very least, there was a fucking giant goddamn, you know, tidal wave hitting the West Coast. So mm-hmm. even if they knew it was coming beforehand, 
it still fucking happened. So, like, you know, something's going on. Right, right. And and not to sound too marky about this, but I actually really (laughs) would have liked to have seen the fucking murders. Like, when they they put those white sock things over their heads, and then they cut away. You don't actually see their fucking head get ran through with a, you know, giant blade. Yeah. I think it would have been a little more effective if they showed it. That's funny, because... I, I actually, for once, am okay with the way that he portrayed it. I felt like... Wait, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Who the fuck are you? Is that, I, I thought Marky was with us. Who was this I, guy? In, <laughs> in this story, in this movie, I don't think that showing the gore would have added anything to it. The, because you knew mm. the violence was happening. The violence was brutal enough. That, sh- that Showing the gore, in my mind, would have been unnecessary. I, I actually fall on Marky's side with this. Like mm. I... I I think that that pulling the camera away from that or keeping the camera off that and keeping the camera, I think, on the um, on the, the on the guys, yeah, on there, yeah. I think that was a smarter choice there. I kind of mm-hmm. like that. I I I don't know. So that's why I'm a little conflicted about it. But I did say at the beginning, I did it did have my attention this movie, and I had it the entire time for the hundred minute runtime like it had my attention yeah. i just don't know that it did everything as well as i hoped it would that's i think that's the story with them night Shyamalan, right like that's yeah it does it some stuff suck, that you like it doesn't like, yeah. right, it doesn't suck and it has your attention but you're like what's this really better. all that yeah what's yeah. this all that great <laughs> i don't know i felt the same way about old have you guys seen old i haven't mm-hmm. yet no but that actually looks interesting too. I do want to see it. It was it was interesting. It was disturbing as all hell. It was more mm-hmm. horror, like felt more horror at times. Um, but same thing, same thing. It was like it's like the decisions along the way. You know, I know he thought about them and he made like these decisions along the way during this film and the storytelling and the and the you know the ideas and everything. But they don't all work or add up necessarily. Yeah. But the outcome is somewhat interesting. Like I that's uh, that's what this guy's frustrating. This guy's a frustrating filmmaker. I'll tell you. For, for me too, I haven't seen uh uh M Night Shyamalan movie for quite some time. I can't remember the last one I, I watched, but I had started to turn sour on him because I felt like his quality was declining. It has been ever since Sixth Sense. And so I I quit checking into his movies. Yeah. And by the way, folks, that was his first film. (laughs) Declining since the Sixth Sense. Yeah. He came out too strong, man. Like that was a, I don't know if that was an accident (laughs) or what, but he hit the fucking ball out of the park on that one. Um, I don't know. Go back and watch it again. Maybe he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was just be. like maybe it was just so like different something from new. what. Yeah, something new, right? Anyway, but I feel yeah. like he's been trying to capture that magic ever since. And he has, he has. You're totally he, right. And unfortunately, he had a lot. He had a lot to live up to. There's a lot of hype behind his name. Like he's even though his subsequent movies uh, progressively did less and less well, they his name still carries quite a bit of weight. Um, yeah. And that's gotta be a lot of pressure, but 
I thought this movie, you know, like I said, I haven't seen one of his in a long time. And I was, I came into it with very low expectations. I'll, I'll put it that way. And I was pleasantly surprised. I liked it as a whole. I thought it was uh, just a somewhat of a tight, concise story. Um, pretty interesting. I enjoyed the characters. I thought the acting was decent. The uh, guy that played Andrew, I've never seen him in anything before. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a really good job. The other guy, Groff, um, forget mm-hmm. his first name, but I've Jonathan. I've only Jonathan Groff. I've, I've only seen him in one or two other things, but he's really good. Yeah. Um, Dave Bautista did a real good job. Almost as he he had the most lines, maybe the most screen time. Mm-hmm. He played play, doing a dramatic role. I'd mentioned to. Uh, AJ last week, you know, when Dave Batista puts his glasses on, he's getting serious. He's, he's bringing his a game when it comes to acting. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I thought, you know, I, I liked it. I, I, it had me, I watched it last night. I watched it last night. And then yeah, oh, so did I, yeah. I the movies, I, I've been thinking about the movie throughout the day. And I, that to me, if the movie keeps me thinking about it after I've watched it, then there's something to that. I mean, it's, it's usually, something that's interesting enough to where i i, I want to kind of replay the scenes in my head and pick things apart and see you know remember different parts of it so uh i i did care for it and i would recommend it um you know another thing that m Knight does is he's always had this like uh uh central color that he kind of focuses on that will be replayed throughout the movie um in uh, Sixth Sense, it was red. It used to be just one color. Sixth Sense, it was red. In um, Unbreakable, it was purple. In The Village, it was yellow. And it, it, the shape of, not the shape of, uh, the lady in the, whatever water. the water. Yeah, I think that was green. Um, and I don't I, I don't even know if I even saw any movies after that. But uh, in this one, it was uh, multiple colors. And it was, it was like the colors of the intruder's shirts that, um, mm-hmm. Rupert Grant was wearing a red shirt. Dave Bautista was wearing white. Uh, the other two ladies, one was wearing yellow, one was wearing blue. And what I thought was kind of interesting was that when the little girl was wearing a dress that had patchworks, uh, and each square was a color of the shirts that they were wearing. Hmm. So, whatever, yeah, whatever that, whatever that means. I, I just thought that was a nice little touch. Maybe she embodied like, because they were saying like each one represented like malice, um, nurturing, nurturing, healing, guidance, whatever. Like yeah. maybe like when embodied all those maybe things in some way, even the malice, like mm-hmm. or. I don't know. I don't know. That's hard to say why he would make that choice. But and yeah, going back col- on colors, I agree. Like I've heard that before too, Marky. What you were saying about M Night and his colors. Well, there used to be a, a thing. Distinct, it's a thing. Yes, there used to be a distinct color that was easy to to notice, and you, it would be rep- th- throughout the film. Right. It'd be almost more in your face, but uh, and I don't know what he's done in some of. the at once but in this you could still see it there but it was much more toned down um and going back to some of your guys other comments you said about how they got i I too wish they would have kind of expanded on those visions that the intruders said they had but from what i gathered yeah they, they all shared a common vision that brought them to they said they met at the boardwalk and then 
they knew what cabin to go to. They didn't know what family was going to be in there, but they knew how it was going to unfold. And one of the dads makes a comment about Dave Batista keeps checking his watch. But if you notice that they're all checking the time constantly, because I think they know in their vision when certain events are going to die, they know what order they're going to die in and they know at what time they're going to die. So that's why they're very focused on checking the time to see right. when it's going to happen. And I'm sure I didn't notice this. I'm sure um, Leonard checked his watch before he slid his own throat. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because he knew, like he knew it was coming up. This is the time, you know, it's supposed to happen. Okay. They didn't make the decision. Boom. And, you know, they pulled the camera away from that, too. Like, you didn't really see any of the blood, like, a little bit. But, you know, didn't really play that up at all. Like, I like that. I like that. I like that they didn't really hone in on the actual violence. You know? Mm. I still would have liked to have seen it. Because to me, it felt like they were cutting it out because they're trying to make it a PG-13 movie. But they did. I mean, it's still rated R, so I don't know why they're cutting away. I didn't see it that way, but just I, I, I sort of didn't picture it in a in a like a ratings thing. I thought it sort of just saw it as like a, it was more of like the idea that they, you know, mm-hmm. we know that they were getting killed. Like we didn't need to see it. We didn't need to like. I don't want it to. Like I, Marky's rubbing off on me. Sensationalize <laughs> it or whatever. Like we didn't need to. You know, there was more. There was. It was more about the the symbolic. Their, their weapons that they brought were very strange. I was. Right. I kept commenting. Sam right. watched the movie with me. I kept saying that, like, what the fuck are these things they brought with them? Yeah. And there's the only explanation you get is one of them says that. They they were shown exactly how to make this thing. Right. Okay. And they was and they said they were tools. Yeah. yeah. Again, more stuff I would have liked a little more, you know, detail on. Let's get yeah. into that a little more. So. Um Sam had an interesting thought on that though. She uh because at one point in the movie, I think maybe it was uh Leonard David Tisa's character says that, you know, or maybe it was one of the dads, they say like maybe this has always been happening throughout time this is there's always been a family chosen to do this so sam's thought was maybe these weapons were like some very ancient archaic design that they're always told to bring i mean not that it looks like any weapon that i've ever seen in history before but i don't know it's it, it did seem odd yeah it did seem odd I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about that but yeah so, yeah that's um, very interesting all right, let me ask you guys this. Let's see what you would prefer. So uh, this movie is based on a novel, and the novel ends very differently. Okay. So in the book, the way it goes down is um, the kid gets killed ah. at the end. However, it was like accidental. You know, like when he got the gun and he was trying to kill them and accidentally shot their kid. And you know, this just pisses them off. So they fucking end up shooting, you know, Leonard and the two dads just get in the car and drive off. And that's how it ends. And you're left to wonder, like, 
all right, is the world really going to end? Were these people just crazy? And you don't know. And it just left with them driving away with, you know, you wondering, okay, now, like, is the world coming to an end now? Are are they going to have to live through it? And God, I like that. Right. I thought that's a fucking awesome way to end a movie, but yeah, they, they change it for this. So yeah, that's dark. Right. No, I like that though. I like the, the ambiguity. Mm -hmm. I like, and I imagine the book, they weren't showing them the stuff on the TV. So they didn't actually know. Yeah. Right. And you don't know as the reader, you don't know like what, Mm -hmm. if the world is actually like, uh, you know, apocalyptic at that point. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And just how, especially with the movie. I mean, it might have been tough because that actress that played when was fucking adorable, right? So to kill yeah. her at the end really would have been tough to swallow. But it, you know, that might have just made it that much better, that much more powerful. So I was actually thinking while the movie, I was like, I had a thought that she might be the one to die in the family but then mm-hmm. my immediate subsequent thought was there's no way not not for an american audience they wouldn't do that yeah so but yeah they did in the book so <laughs> what's yeah what's the uh what's the name of the book because oh. it says probably in the credits right mm-hmm. um because this, i'm gonna have to see if this is something worth worth my time yeah to try to read like to see uh, the the book is called The Cabin at the End of the World. That's a cool title. Yeah. Oh, did you also notice that uh, when they knock on the cabin door, it's seven knocks. It's very mm-hmm. unsettling because it's so many and it's so slow. Yeah. But it's it's seven, which is uh, a somewhat of a a, a, a a important number from the Bible, right? Not just the. Mm-hmm. On the seventh day, he rested. But I think that's a reoccurring number in the Bible, if memory serves. Yeah, and because of the seven-minute abs, and you that's know, seven middle, seven little chipmunks sitting on a branch eating lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. You know, <laughs> you know that old children's tales in the sea. I'm getting the Bible mixed up with that. You're right. Never mind. <laughs> I only know that because once again. With the movie, when it ended, I had to fast forward through the credits to see if there was a post-credit scene. You and would. the only post-credit scene is just, it says knock on the cabin, cabin yeah. and then seven knocks. Right. Bop, 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 bop. So, and the subtitle said seven knocks. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the subtitle's on. Yeah. Nice. So. But all in all, like I said, I didn't dislike the movie. I just felt like it could have been better, and they just they missed some opportunities, you know. Yeah. So if I was to give it a ranking, it's not quite a failing. It's like right at fifty percent. So it's like two and a half out of five stars for me. Okay. It doesn't suck. It's not good. It's right down the middle for me. So this is yeah, a two and a half stars for me. I'd give it like a three out of five. Um, I, like I said earlier, I'd recommend it to people, but thinking on it, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Um, it's not that good. There's certain people that I would tell about it. 
but it's interesting enough. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a interesting, interesting little story and it's easy to get through. It's not a long mm -hmm. runtime. So I wouldn't feel bad if somebody get, cause it's not like you're wasting that much of their time. I would, I would land right where DP landed two and a half because from the very beginning, I said, there's stuff that kept me interested, but I do have some problems with it. So I'm like very split. So when I'm mm -hmm. split, I got to go down the middle here, two and a half. Yeah. A lot of the camera stuff did get annoying to me. Um, yeah, he does could, that a lot. Yeah, I, it was overplayed. <clears throat> I could I could see him doing it, and I was just like, mm -hmm. all right, bro, ease up on that shit. Yeah. Yeah, so in the movie Old, right? So the whole concept, you guys know the concept, right? Not necessarily, no. These people get, these people are at this resort. It's this couple and their kids. And one one day they get per suggestion of like the resort manager, they go off to this secluded beach. They get dropped off by this van. Um, by the way, I think Emma, I think it's M Night Shyamalan. He's in van. all of his movies. That's the van driver, but mm -hmm. he drops them off. It's the it's the couple and their two kids, the daughter and the son. The son's younger, and then a few other people. There's a handful of other people. And all of a sudden, like, they start, like, noticing changes of them. The kids start aging rapidly. Like, very rapidly. <laughs> yeah. Like, in two hours, they're, like, the kid goes from, like, you know, 7 to 11, you know? <clears throat> and he uses the camera in such, like, a similar way where, like, they keep the parents keep looking like in the shocked ways at the kids as they look older and they don't show you the kids for like the longest time they keep. And I'm like, they're obviously older. They're different actors. Like just put the camera on them. Like, and he keeps, he keeps delaying the inevitable with the camera views. And he does that so much like that. He loves doing that. He's obsessed with it. And uh, yeah, so eventually you see them and you're like, obviously, that's what we were going to see. Like, they're older. Not shocking. <laughs> Not shocking based on everything else you've done in the film up to this point. Like, we know they're older. Ah, so he, he can, he's a frustrating filmmaker. There's some interesting ideas at times, but he never quite has, has quite put it together like he did with The Sixth Sense. Although, you know, Unbreakable's a good it's, movie. I enjoyed Unbreak Unbreakable. Yeah, Unbreakable's a good movie. Signs, I I, 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 say, I really oh, I like Signs. I think Signs uh, is excellent. Yeah, I like Signs, but uh, I don't know. Every, most of the stuff after that, I just I don't care for it. I think part of the problem is that As uh, much. He, he doesn't leave much up to interpretation he tries to maybe a little bit of those camera tricks that you said but like that's just annoying like when it comes to the story yeah. it's like he's telling the story to idiots so at some point there's going to be a character that unveils the entire thing behind the plot so you don't have to figure it out on your own right the whole thing with the camera stuff in old was just it was infuriating actually it's like, I'm an intelligent human being. I know what you're getting at right now. <laughs> Just, you, you don't have to hide them from me. Like, I get it. 
show I me the kids. Right, I, <laughs> Don't hide the kids from me. Yeah, I, I get why the parents have shocked looked on their looks on their faces. Like, you don't have to do that to me. You know, <laughs> I'm <not> a moron. <laughs> just, just, just stop. Like, being taken his attention off of that, off of those tricks, and put it on the actual storytelling. Maybe some things would have worked out better. I don't know, like in some of these films, like I just, uh, uh, but like at the end, I'm like, oh, that was interesting. That was an interesting idea. I don't like how we got here, but the idea was interesting. That's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that lady that gets uh, shot, the one that dies right before Leonard, um, she comes running the, back to the house. Right, the nurse. Because she ran away from the car when Andrew pulled the gun. She -hmm. takes off into the woods. She later comes running back into the house and he shoots and kills her. It's because these people knew that they were going to die at these different times. I feel like she knew she was going to maybe not die. I don't know. I think she knew she was going to get shot. She just had to do Mm -hmm. it, though, because they're they're all dying the way that they Right, Fearless. Just run into it. Yeah. Steer into the skid. Like she yeah. just had to go. But she did she she said something when she ran back in. I can't remember what she said. And he shot her, her screaming. I don't know. Yeah. And he so, shot her. But I anyway. Know. Yeah, I, I think it, you're right. She definitely knew she was gonna die. Uh-huh. And I think that she probably came back to die because if she didn't, she knew like you know, shit would go haywire. So she had to actually come back and die. That, there. That's a, that's an interesting point though in itself, because all these, yeah. these what four if they people, didn't die? Right. They're all, they're all dead set on doing this. Like mm-hmm. they, they have to do this and they have to let themselves die to move this, not just the plot along, but for the family to make this decision, there's never any, option for them to just say fuck right and not go through with it they know for certain the apostle is going to happen and if they don't do their role then it will certainly happen mm-hmm. that's the only explanation I think of yeah uh, because uh, again like you said oh like oh they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse right. but at the end you also see they were all like he really was a school teacher. She really was a nurse. The other right. lady really did have a son. So they're so all they, telling the truth. Yeah, they were telling the truth and they all had lives. So yeah, like what would have happened if they just said fuck it and didn't kill each other? If they didn't die, would the apocalypse still have happened or would it been worse? Like curious. I, 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 I my feelings on my feelings on that are that they these visions were like too strong to ignore, you know. Yes, mm-hmm. they couldn't have not done it. The visions were to ignore, and they knew deep down if they didn't go through with their roles, then they themselves would have brought about the apocalypse. They were there to prevent the apocalypse by trying to convince this sweet innocent family to sacrifice one of themselves. So if they didn't fulfill their part in this then they were the reason that brought about the apocalypse if mm-hmm. redmond chickened out and left then he's the reason that the the world's ended 
Yeah, but if he didn't check it out and leave, then all those people in on the West Coast wouldn't have died from a tsunami. If he didn't chicken out and leave, then all the... Or if he did chicken out and leave. Like, if he didn't get killed... Uh-huh. Like that, because that was the whole thing. He got killed, and that's what caused the tsunami. No, but but, but I think right. Each person's sacrifice or whatever, like, caused the next wave of the apocalypse. It, it right. did. It did. But I think that those people that were killed by the tsunami, even even if they weren't killed by the tsunami at that time, then they the entire world would have been dead anyways. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't get killed by the tsunami, they would die by whatever cataclysm at the very end. You know, would have been cool if the flashbacks showed, like, you know, they showed. Rupert Grint's character, like, I guess eventually you find out that it was him mm-hmm. that smashed the dude. If there was some contact they had with all of them or something, the that company, would have been interesting, right? I was like, kind of expecting that, right? Yeah. Like when they got the when they got when when they got the baby, there was a you know there was a nurse there and it was her. Yeah, maybe right. just maybe or, just in the background, like just. Mm-hmm. Standing in the background or whatever, like just part of it somehow. Yeah. Their lives. There was some connection. Because it, it, it could have been very easily been connected. Like when Rupert Grant <clears throat> fucking beat him and he went to the hospital. Boom. She could have yeah. been the nurse. She could have been the when nurse. Could have been in second grade, and that could have been her teacher. Like you know, like uh, there's all sorts of ways they could have connected them, and they didn't. So right, they could. Yeah. He could have been like proposing to him at a restaurant. She could have been. The, the cook or the chef at the restaurant, the girl. Yeah, that was exactly. Sick. Yeah. Or she she even said that she's been many things. She could have been like a, a anything, right? Like at their wedding. Or at something. their wedding. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Look at this. We're writing the movie for you, M Night. Yeah. We're doing it, baby. We're fixing your movie. Hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> replace, re- replace the bullshit flashbacks with ones that actually have some substance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hated those flashbacks. I thought they didn't serve yeah. anything. They didn't work at all. Except the one where it sort of served the argument of Andrew. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, that was the only one that made any sense. Like, I don't give a shit about this other stuff. Like, your parents being over your house and not saying a word to you and then leaving. Yeah. Like, like that what did that do? What did that do? What was the point of that? That was a wasted moment of the film. Yeah. Like The only thing that it did... Those two flashbacks, the one where they picked Lin up in China or wherever it was, and when they had Andrew's parents over, the only thing that those flashbacks served was to reinforce that they weren't accepted as gay men in the world. Mm-hmm. His parents didn't accept them, right? And they lied okay. about they re- they lied about the relationship yeah. to the person at the adoption place. Yeah, and, and again, right. do do people really need to be reminded of that? Like, yeah, we, we all know. We get it. We know gay people have a rough time in this maybe, world. Maybe M. Night's right. been living in California for too long, and he just thinks that like yeah. you know, outside of California, gay people don't have like the best time, right? Right, like, yeah, I know, bro. Oh, I live yeah. in the south. Right, so, so M Night, better flashbacks and higher Andy Circus movies, much better. Oh. <laughs> Did you guys ever see? This is kind of a, a bit of a turn here, but the uh, uh, Stephen King adaptation of The Mist with Thomas Jane. It was a short yes. story by Stephen uh, King. I, I've seen it in pieces and parts. I haven't watched the whole thing all the way through, but fuck, what an ending! That's that's what I was getting at. The yeah. ending, the ending is not what is in Stephen King's version. Mm-hmm. Stephen King, Stephen King's version is the happy one where yeah. they end up getting saved. And the film version 
Tom Ooh. Jane ends up killing everybody out of love so they don't have yeah, to go mercy. through mercy. Yes. And he's racked by it. And then right after he does it, like salvation comes with the army right behind him. So he oh. killed them for nothing. And then the movie ends. Brutal. Yeah. Baroots Magoots of an ending. And that's yeah. that's different in the way, kind of like we're talking here, where the film version on its own accord came up with this yeah. oh, gut-wrenching ending. And mm -hmm. the, Stephen King had a, and Stephen King has even said, like, I like your version better. That's that's fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this movie did the opposite, yes. Yeah. Which most movies, I think, would would probably lean towards. That's typically, mm -hmm. and especially in, uh, I mentioned American audience earlier, we're a bunch of pansies. We want the happy fairy tale ending. Yeah. Wow. Um, all right, so here's another question for you is in regards to M. Night. Like, uh, where does this one rank amongst his movies for you guys? And which is your actual favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie? Um, out of the ones I've seen, um, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, uh, The Lady and the and the Hotel Pool, mm -hmm. and this one. I think that's it. The I Lady said, in the Hot Tub, by the way. The, the Lady in the Hot Tub. Yeah. That was a fun time. <laughs> no, that's actually a different movie I saw on Pornhub. Forget that's it. it. <laughs> Much better plot. Um. I'd say maybe shit out of all of them, the ones that I like that I saw, um, I don't know, maybe like third or fourth. It's a toss up for me between Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Um, so maybe third and then Signs mm -hmm. behind it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, between this one and Signs and then The Village behind it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what would you call your favorite? Uh, Six Sense. For me, it's a, it's honestly a toss up between Six Sense and Unbreakable. I really like Unbreakable. For me, I got. I think Signs is actually my favorite. Okay. Uh then I go Six Sense after that, and I actually kind of like this one a little more than Unbreakable. Unbreakable, I don't know, was very hit or miss for me. But again, so is this one. Like, it's been a long it, time since I've seen it. They're both about the same. They're right. That kind of like two and a half, like right in the middle movies for me. Mm -hmm. And since I've seen this one more recently, maybe is why I'm putting it a little ahead of Unbreakable. But yeah, I'd say Signs, Sixth Sense, and then probably this one. Where okay. you at, AJ? Uh, um, <clears throat> so I'm ranking them and I'm putting knock at the cabin somewhere in there right um i'd say my favorite is probably signs then the sixth sense then unbreakable then knock at the cabin then old and i haven't seen any of the others okay mm. but but old is like way down like knock at the cabin is you know middling and then old is <laughs> way below that the, the village was uh you've seen the village right no, DP? i haven't I, seen it and i want to yeah okay so I, it I, I was a very long time ago and it, i won't yeah spoil i just remember the AJ. i don't know fucking spoil it who cares i know there's a major <laughs> spoiler in it yeah well i was just gonna say that uh 
I saw that spoiler coming a mile away. That was Did the you? only thing with the yeah. See, I, I know there's I something about it. it. I'm like, oh yeah, I know what's gonna happen here. I didn't. I was mm-hmm. uh caught off guard and but I, I also saw this one long time ago when it first came out. So I would have been like high schoolish age. Mm-hmm. And I was very intrigued with the like first three quarters of the movie and the 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 setting and the premise. And then when the reveal came, I was just like, that's fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a a letdown, but it is also may have been a sign of my age, you know, like right. Okay, so I'll have to watch it again, maybe sometime. Well, yeah, I think the the funny part is like he's had like right the Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis, and then was Unbreakable second. He had Bruce Willis again with Samuel Jackson, etc., and uh-huh. then third one he's got Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson and you know and the village I think Joaquin Phoenix came back and he had some other good actors yeah he had uh, Adam Sigourney Weaver was in that one Sigourney Weaver right and Um, then it feels like he's fallen off with like the quality of actor he's getting in his film I think so like Lady Lady in the Water there was probably some good people in and then it's sort of like it's fallen off that was like Paul Giamatti and Bryce Dallas Howard I think right mm-hmm. good right then the, the Happening had like Mark oh, Wahlberg in seen it that one. that one was dog shit that's where I gave up yeah. on it. Like, that movie <laughs> and I think that was the tipping stupid. point and then it went mm-hmm. to like Jaden Smith after Earth and Will Smith Ooh. I think they and then and then like He's had some dog shit after that. The visit with some people I haven't seen. The old had nobody you've ever heard of in it. Okay. Nobody except M. Night Shyamalan had a cameo. <laughs> but nobody you know was in that movie. All right. Mm-hmm. Vicky Creeps. She's a foreign actress. Like, that's the only name that looked even vaguely familiar. And then this one, finally, like, Dave Bautista is in it, Rupert Grant, like, people you've seen. But I feel like the studios, they're letting them make films, but they're like, you know what? You're going to have to, like, use your budget wisely, buddy, because we're not going right. to we're not gonna give you a bunch of money to get all the A-list stars you want. You're going to have to, like, stretch the dollar. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So it's... It is what it is with him at this point. Like, I think, you know, probably like actors also have given up on him. Like, they're like, oh, this guy kind of sucks. Well, yeah. After the sixth sense, I mean, he came blazing out of the gates. Right. He became a, 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 a household name, not necessarily, not literally, but in the movie world, he was a huge name mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And everyone wanted to see what he did next. And the next thing he did on Breakable, they're like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You know, Sixth Sense was better, but all right, what else you got? Does the next one, they're like, all right, that's pretty fun, but we like it. All right, what else you got? And then, like, it just kind of yeah, went started. down and down yeah. and down. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he did that live-action version of the of Avatar, The Last Airbender, oh, which is oh, yes. the greatest animated shows ever. And he did a live-action version that was horrible. Yeah. I think it's at like negative fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think that's possible, but he would figure that it's probably there. The algorithm went and did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't. I, expectations, obviously, to Marky's point, were super high after film number one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just that sort of thing's not sustainable. But no. I mean, 
you still have to, I mean, you still have to make quality, like you still have to not lose the trust of, you know, people at some point. Like he just, I feel like when you're that hit or miss, it's, it's tough to trust, you know, and like, I'm trying to think of like some up and coming directors that have come out the gate strong and, you know, or had a similar trajectory as him and, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head of. He's, he's somewhat unique because his first one was, it was so popular, people were everybody was talking about it, mm-hmm. and it was this twist, and everyone expected that was another thing. Everyone expected this twist, and that was kind yeah, of his they wanted a twist it became his thing. Yeah. It became his thing, and he can't do that every time. You got to make you got you got to make other types of films too. Like you can't yeah. just. I mean, yeah. If you're like. If you're known for horror, yes, fine. That's fine. But, Mm -hmm. or you're known for being, you know, you know, like the Farrelly brothers became known for comedy or whatever. Like that's, yeah, okay, fine. But if you're known for like having a twist in your films, that's too much. It's too hard. (laughs) That's, That's not like being known for a genre. That's being known for like, a trick, like <laughs> you have a twist in every film. Yeah, okay. okay. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And I think it only worked for the Sixth Sense because of the genre and the particular story. And it was, it's, it's, it's a fun movie, in the sense that you can rewatch it and pick up on the things that you would have missed. But that's also another one where he doesn't leave anything for you to figure out. When it's done, they replay the things. Like, oh, in case you miss this. Here's what happened during the movie right. you just watched. Here's the montage of the things you should have seen to right. pick up on the fact that this dude's uh, fucking a ghost. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Mark, Mark, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to you right now for this because I know you're not a sports guy, but but it's kind of akin to uh, like Odell Beckham Jr. How like he made that crazy one-handed catch. And then everyone expected him to do that every game. And so when he just catch like, you know, seven passes for 90 yards cool. and a touchdown, everyone's just like, eh, that was boring. But I, I mean, I he's still doing right. well. He, he's just not making crazy. I understand that. Right. right. He didn't, yeah. he didn't catch. Right. He didn't make a highlight real catch this time. Because that, <laughs> that, that <laughs> sucks. Because that catch was so big. I actually understand that reference. Nice. And then, yeah, yeah. He had the bleached, <laughs> the bleached uh, high top hair. Mm-hmm. curly hair after that all the kids did too and he was this huge name for the following season yeah and everyone was like do something cool and he's like yeah oh, exactly know. like i got a touchdown isn't that good enough <laughs> right. Like, no right right eight we catches 125 yards is that is that okay no 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 catch it like that again yeah exactly but but you can't you to marky's point you cannot sustain um something mm-hmm. so niche yeah, exactly. You just can't. You can't. And he, like, I think, Mark, you said it earlier. He's still trying to, like, catch that lightning in a bottle again. Like, mm-hmm. he's trying to, like, he's trying to to hit another home run like that again. And he, he just hasn't really, you know, he just hasn't yeah. been able to really. It, and it's, it's pretty impressive that he keeps, uh, a lot of times someone like him in this position, they would fade away or drop off. 
Um, he doesn't seem discouraged. I mean, I don't know what the returns are in his movies, <laughs> right? And, but the reviews aren't always that great. But he just, he's like, I want to keep on fucking going. You guys are getting more movies, and I, I yeah. on that on that part, I kind of you know respect it. Like here we go, knock at the cabin, and you know the three of us are talking about it tonight on a podcast, right? You no, know, 2023 M Night Shyamalan, same as he ever was. <laughs> and how I how I started my kind of thoughts on this movie, I said tensions were quite low going into this, and that I think that played I... into how much I actually mm. liked it because I was expecting a a real dookie. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe that's sort of what he's riding on. Like people have low expectations of me now. So <laughs> I can you know? I can kind of go back and do what I want. Right. That's a low bar to get over. I think I, <laughs> I think I can jump over that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in, in any event, not terrible. Very middling though. Very middling. Mm-hmm. Very middling. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that we've said about him before in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, I, a trained director, we're just, you know, fans of the industry and we mm-hmm. kind of pick apart things that we've never tried to do ourselves. But these tricks that he does with the camera, that seems kind of cheap. Like where he's got the subject of the frame off center, that's like just, it does that, that a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's subtle anxiety is what it does because your subject matter is off to the right or the left or they're the top of their head is out of the top of the frame. There's mm-hmm. things that subconsciously your eyes are trying to like, look at what is over there and it fucks with you. Yeah. It's, it's a cheap trick, but you know, he, he does mm-hmm. a lot of that. He does do a lot of that. And once you know that he's doing that, it, becomes more annoying than anything right you pick up on <laughs> yeah. it yeah it just becomes annoying like now now it's not tense now i'm just now i'm just i'm not even uh, uh you're gonna show me eventually whatever yeah. <laughs> you know like with old i kept going yeah i guess you're gonna show me eventually <laughs> you got to show me those kids right eventually i'm gonna see them like show me the kids M. Night. you can't hide them forever <laughs> you're gonna have to show me these fuckers you know eventually you're gonna have to show me that they're old yeah i know the title of the movie oh my fuck. god yeah you gave it you gave it away you know? <laughs> that was the twist yeah knock at the cabin that's, that's pretty much a it's right on the nose there right because yeah. <laughs> they knocked seven times on the cabin door like that they're, they're literally telling you what happens in the film knock at the cabin yeah <laughs> uh we're, we're, we're having some fun at m night's uh expense here but yeah. you know i mean well deserved sir yeah you know out of this i i like seeing dave batista do more dramatic stuff i've mentioned sure sure before on this podcast i've mentioned his role in blade runner 2049 in in the beginning of that movie he's just got a small part but damn he was uh maybe he had too much airtime in this not that he was he's still fine he's good but uh you know just having a little piece of him in 2049 i felt like much more powerful because he wanted to see more of him 
And I didn't get tired of him in this. I don't know what I'm getting at with this, but uh, no, um, I no, I kind I kind of liked him in this. Um, yeah, you know, I know um, he he plays that sort of like gentle giant because mm-hmm. he really is like he never gets riled up. He's more like sad, yeah, at times and, and a little desperate for them to do the thing he wants yeah. them to. He needs them to do. You know, and I Which, think he plays that pretty well. Yeah. I, I got to say, so I think it was last Saturday was when I saw it. There was a, oh. a video I saw on TikTok uh, where it was a, a commercial for Dave Bautista's stand-up special on Netflix. Where Is that real? Oh, no, it was definitely an April oh, Fool's okay. Day joke. But, like, it seemed like a real ad for his stand-up special. And he's just on stage and like knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> you know? And like someone from the crowd yells, You suck. And so he just goes down in the crowd and grabs a dude, fucking slams him on the stage and beats the shit up. <laughs> All right, I like that. Yeah, it's very, very funny. Yeah. But it did like it it seemed exactly like a like I think Netflix might have put it out themselves. That's funny. But yeah, it's very, very funny. <laughs> He's he's got like an underlying talent. I don't know what kind of training he's had as an actor, but I think he's got like some... WWE baby. Yeah, he was a, he was a wrestling superstar. Well, so I know, like... I know that, but like you know that that's uh that's a that's a bit different, right? And and the mm. uh, not just the genre, but like the the character that they would be portraying. Like he's got some some subtle drama chops. Right, like mm. un- unlike like The Rock doesn't do that stuff. He does action and comedy, right? Or, ac- yeah. or action comedy. I, same, same with John Cena though. John Cena does either comedy or action right now. I mm. agree, but he John has and like Batista's doing like like you said more drama chop stuff. Yes, I but think he does out some... of all of them. He's got the more subtlety. He can he can yeah. convey emotion more finely at a delicate level than. Mm-hmm. The other two, but he is very funny too. He is like so that line. Like I know it's it maybe it's because I'm a Marvel nerd, so I know it is, and I assume oh, so I assume everyone does. He's but, the Guardians of the Galaxy guy, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and there's a a moment in a Avengers Infinity War, and he completely ad libbed this line, but when uh, the Guardians meet Tony Stark and uh spider-man you know like peter quill comes in and he's like where is gamora and you know tony stark's like i'll do you better who is gamora and batista just ad-libbed the line he goes i'll do you what better what is gamora <laughs> <laughs> it was just a fucking hilarious line that he completely fucking ad-libbed in the moment and you know the directors loved it and Kept it in. So. Yeah, he seems yeah, like he's a, smart a naturally guy. funny dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His um, character in WWE was never like like never used comedy. I don't think much. Mm-hmm. He, he was a more, you know, he was a more serious uh, superstar character or whatever. However you want to say that, I don't know. Like more like you know, like. Triple H or whatever, like the more serious yeah. villain type, right? You know, like, yeah, he wasn't dropping one-liners like The Rock and right, like right, that. right, yeah. right. No, um, 
he did he did ham up some like some injury thing. I forget what the angle was. Uh, anyway, that was supposed to be played for comedy, but it wasn't like traditional. He wasn't trying to like traditionally play for laughs. But anyway, yeah. So, but I can see that he's got some talent. Did, yeah, did you guys like ever it. see the uh, uh, Vin Diesel Riddick movie? Um, I forget what the, the the title of it was, but it was one that had Dave Batista in it. Um, maybe it was the Chronicles that. of Riddick, or maybe it was just called Riddick. Maybe it was just Riddick. Yeah. Okay, maybe it was just Riddick, and uh, it was. I think it was the last one that they did mm-hmm. before they kind of put a kibosh or a pause on that. Uh, series, but Dave Batista plays a bounty hunter and this crew of bounty hunters that are going after Riddick, Vin Diesel's character, and mm-hmm. he's got several deadpan, quiet like lines that are are intentionally funny, but it's because his delivery that they come off funny, right? It's t- talking about yeah. like taking shots, like I got him, and they're like, "You sure?" He's like, "I got him." It's, it's it's only funny because he's doing it but right and that was, that was the first thing i think i ever saw him and i didn't even recognize him as a person i thought he was just a muscle goon wouldn't mm-hmm. have expected to see him in things after that yeah and like obviously we're not going to be surprised if you know the next like marvel film he's in or whatever like uh, he's going to be in guardians volume three i imagine yes um yeah and any other action films he does, but I'd be curious as to like the next or serious role he tries to do and mm-hmm. what that is. What he, yeah, because I liked him in Glass Onion, I thought he was pretty good. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah that's right, that. yeah, he was good in that. Um, mm-hmm. that's a different genre for him, right? Yeah, um, that, that also had a, a, a fair amount of uh, comedic overlay to his mm-hmm. character and lines, yeah, yeah. Um, sure and you guys haven't seen i I keep hitting this but you guys haven't seen blade runner 2049 have you i have not still not i've never seen any blade runner movie well i I haven't seen the first one in like 20 years and this most most recent one uh, i would encourage you guys if nothing else just to watch the first 15 minutes just to see dave batista's Mm -hmm. role because that's all he's only in the first Maybe even less than that. Well, I want to see the whole thing. I just haven't gotten around to finally seeing it yet. But, Bro, you've yeah. been on vacation, right? You're, you're, uh, the, I was watching, no- vacation. I was watching Knock at the Cabin, Marky. Right? And that was an hour and 40 minutes. I know how long that movie was. <laughs> I was doing other things, okay? You can only masturbate so much. <laughs> it wasn't that he got thrown out of a fucking window, man. <laughs> Well, I got five guys that say you went up, went in there, tore up the place, and jumped out the window. <laughs> Mark, you got any idea what we're talking about? No. From Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, that'd be why. <laughs> Every time I hear the word vacation, all I can think is, you're on vacation. The thing I don't understand about that scene is like, the door was like right next to the window. <laughs> yeah, like, well, what? what was the point of throwing him out the window? Like, right, that cost just, them a lot of money. A lot Open of money, door, and the and the cops showed up. Like, yeah. not subtle at all. Like, just yeah. walk out the door and push him out. And say, stay yeah. out. We're gonna guard the door. Like, he can't come back in. 
There was much more reasonable ways to go about this right. kicking him out of the place than to throw him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't have been as yeah. funny if they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't drop that great line. <laughs> What's your charge for getting thrown out of a moving car? Jaywalking? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, you know, uh, I might go watch Beverly Hills Cop right now. Why wouldn't you? The fucking best movie. <laughs> right. Why wouldn't you? No. All right. Uh, well, nice. you know, yeah. we feel like we're there. No, no, no. No, I th- I think um it was a good discussion on the movie and also a good discussion on Dave Bautista. So mm-hmm. I think that was that was uh, that was a nice little segue, I think, uh, into Dave's sort of uh, blossoming career at this point, right? Yeah, he yeah. and he's uh, in his early fifties, um, <laughs> so he's he's getting into this game a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's he's got uh, some good groundwork already. It'll, Absolutely, it'll be, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what he does next. Definitely. Good point. So, uh, uh, before we say goodnight, anyone got any recommendations? Any new movies, TV shows, anything anyone's watching they want to recommend? TV show for me. Um, right. Sam and I have been watching the show Ghosts on uh, HBO, and it's the BBC version. Uh, recently, an American version has been released, which I think is maybe on Paramount or Stars or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are watching the BBC version, which is available for the streaming service that we have, and they've only done. I think it's they're only going to do three seasons, and we're maybe halfway through the second season right now, mm-hmm. and we're we're starting to pace ourselves because we have been racing through this show. Right now, you're thoroughly want to laugh. enjoying it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're thirty-minute episodes. It's a lighthearted, lighthearted comedy. Uh, it's a fun premise. Obviously, it was popular enough to where some American studios were like, "We're taking that. We're gonna do one too," or they bought it from them. But it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've been What's the premise. These uh, this married couple, this young married couple, inherits this massive old estate in the English countryside, and it's riddled with ghosts um and uh through some events the wife and this married couple is able to see them and it's it's a comedy show but mm-hmm. uh the, the ghosts span over different eras so there's like victorian georgian there's mm-hmm. uh there's more recent like 90s and then 70s ghosts and they, they're they're not scary ghosts they're, they're like annoying ghosts like they've all got requests and shit and it's pretty funny it's a good show. Well written. It's really yeah. tight. Yeah, I've I've seen the ads for the American version, so it, it yeah looks like it could be funny. And now that I know it's based on a British show, I, it's probably definitely funny because yeah, most so of the, most of the American shows first. that are based on British shows end up being pretty good. You know, like The Office or right. Shameless or you know, or based on a a, a New Zealand movie like what we do in the shadows ends up being right, a great show right, right. so <laughs> there you go i agree with that 100 percent. this is the first time i think that i've actually started with the source material before going to the american version oh. so i'll have to I, I, i'm liking this show so much that i am intending on searching out the american version once i'm done with the original one mm-hmm. uh, not that i'm gonna pay for paramount again there ain't shit else on there but right. i'll figure out a way to get it yeah. <laughs> 
How about you, AJ? You got anything? Not shows or movies right now, but I won't spend too much time because I know you're not a gamer, Dan, but uh, April 28th, there's a new you guys were talking about uh, you talked about Star the Wars, there's a, a bunch of new Star Wars movies coming out. There is a new Star Wars game coming out called yes, Star sir. Wars Jedi Survivor. Also talking about is, Shameless. Which is the sequel to Star Wars Jedi uh, Fallen Order, which was a terrific game. The uh, game publisher is Respawn, and they're a terrific game maker. And they the, the first game is amazing. It's fun through and through, and the second one promises... I watched some B-roll of it today. It just looks... Like they just amped up everything, skill trees, the combat, the moment to moment gameplay, the the world, the maps, like everything is just um, been accelerated to be just so much better than the original. So, um, yeah, April twenty eighth. I'm very excited for that game. I can't wait. I love the yeah. the previous one. Uh, the reason I said Shameless is because the uh, main character and the game is called Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis, yep. And uh, he's played by Cameron Monaghan from Shameless. He's the oh. uh, orange head kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly. So he, he yeah. may be the first ginger <laughs> Voice Jedi. talent. Yeah, excellent voice talent. Yeah. You know, it's fun, AJ. I don't know if you saw this, and a little bit of a spoiler for gamers, but uh, I accidentally come a- came across a-, a GIF or a video on Reddit where there's there's much more customization of the character this time. Yes, I, yes, I, I saw this. I saw, I I saw, saw this some, in the B-roll that I watched. Yeah, yeah. I saw somebody give uh, Cameron Monaghan as a Jedi this massive mullet with a beard, this big ginger <laughs> mullet or beard and a lightsaber. It looked great. Oh, yeah, should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Me too, man. Can't wait. What about you, um, DP? You got some uh, new media? Yeah, there's a new TV show out that I've been watching that I've been digging. Uh, it's on uh, Hulu called The Company You Keep. Uh, it's, yeah, it stars uh, Peter Petrelli or Milo Ventimiglia. I think this is his real name. But yeah, he's Peter Petrelli. Uh, and then Sarah Wayne Callies from The Walking Dead is in it. And it's basically uh, Peter Petrelli plays this kind of uh, like Danny Ocean type con man thief who you know meets this girl and they kind of hit it off and he starts dating her but the only problem is she works for the cia and he's a criminal so <laughs> it, you know it goes from there it's only a few episodes in but the first few episodes are really fucking fun it's like a, it's like an out of sight sort of concept yeah. in a way yeah okay so, yeah very fun i like milo ventimiglia a lot so and yeah, the show's pretty fun. It's only a few episodes in, so it's not too late to to dive in if you're interested. It's on Hulu. Nice. So, yeah. what's okay, the name what, what would you call it? Like, is it a drama? Is it a? Yeah, it's definitely a drama. The company so, you keep, Marky. Yeah, the okay, company right. you keep. So yeah, it's a fun not one. The, not the company you keep, Marky. The comp company you keep. Comma, Marky. Comma, Marky. Yeah. <laughs> Damn this. Got my name in there. Yeah, it's a, it's a long ass title. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, they even spell out comma. They don't just put a comma. It's weird. <laughs> comma <laughs> space marky. Interesting. So, 
but yeah, I think that wraps it up. This was a fun conversation, gentlemen. Uh, I think that does it. You guys got anything else before we say good night? No, not yet. Um, and I, I still want to see that John Wick Four movie. I've got a flight. Oh fuck yeah! I've I've got a flight and a, a visit to Indiana next week. Um, mm-hmm. which when I, when I'm out of state, that's when I get away to a movie theater. So. Fingers crossed there's one in this little shithole town that I can <laughs> go see John nice. Wick 4 in. Well, if you do, make sure you let me know. I'll I'll see it before we record next as okay. well so we can talk about it. So. Sounds good. All right, yeah, Mark, Marky, I'll send you the link to uh, the 55 most anticipated movies of 2023 for Rotten Tomatoes. If you want, if you want, yeah. It's got some great stuff on there. Alrighty then. Uh, so with that, and uh, uh, that that'll do it for the night. So for Marky and for AJ and for myself, we say thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time. Good night. Night night. Good night. <laughs> Don't hide the kids from me. Yeah. The movie council is adjourned. <laughs> <laughs>